This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast, best of comics of 2017. I'm Kevin Schaefer. Jordan Alseka. And yes, this is the first best of 2017 that I'm taking part in. Jordan, this is your second because you enriched second, the yeah. gaming last week. Awesome. Video gaming is ready. It might be up. Well, it'll definitely be up by the time this comes out, yes, obviously. Yes, Because it's the second episode. For sure. <laughs> so, uh, but oh, this is one of the best times of the year for us where we get to talk about all our favorites in comics, ga- uh, gaming, movies, TV. So this is our comics one. So um, definitely a lot to talk about. I know you and I have both read a lot this year. I would hope so, considering we're both comic book writers now. I can say that because I have a book coming out this year. So. <laughs> well, that no, that's, I think, the interesting thing about this year is for both of us, it's the biggest year we've made in terms of doing what we want to do. We yeah. both want to do comics. Um, I had my first books come out this year, which was really cool got yeah. a miniseries accepted and uh that launched and you know i'll talk more about that in a bit uh by the end of the episode because we always do our where you can find us and then uh you got accepted into an anthology which is super cool as well yes um, very excited about that and then she'll be kickstarting soon by the time yes. this comes out oh by the time it might already be up by the time this comes out because um it's what is it january 19th as we're recording and the Kickstarter for the Corpus Anthology launches February 4th, so it's right around the corner. Um, yeah, but so actually, you know, we might as well start with a little bit of self-promotion. Sure, so, hey, uh, why not? <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, I did, in fact, just launch a webcomic, Welderkin, yes. uh, which is a rural uh, horror story. It's being done by myself and artist Joni Miller, who's Jocos Joni on Twitter. Uh, we were picked up by Comic Crew Digital, and they are publishing both uh, pages twice a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, as well as di- a digital issue will be out January 31st that you can find on Kindle, Comixology, all over the place. But if you go to welderkincomic.com, uh, the first probably 11, 12 pages are up by the time this comes out. Um, so, you know, go check it out, please. It's it's the biggest comics thing I've done. I'm super excited about it. Um, I've also been accepted to the uh, Alloy Anthology, which is a collection of stories about uh, being biracial, that won't be kickstarting till the summer. Okay. But that's off to a really good start, too, for me. Kevin, what about you? Yeah, uh, you know, so Corpus Anthology is the big project I'm involved in right now. Uh, I mentioned it on the Last Jedi podcast, but basically it is an anthology about comics that have to deal with disability and mental and chronic illness. And so uh, I pitched a story that uh, about a guy who has uh, SMA, which is what I have, and he goes to space and is looking for a life on another planet to where he can find better technology. Uh, working with an artist named Andrew Herman, uh, who's a friend of ours, and he worked with our friend Proctor McKinney on another book uh, about two years ago called Zoe Dare versus the Disasteroid, which you can pick up in your comic shops. That's by Action Lab. Uh, so yeah, yeah it, and, you know, it's really exciting to be a part of that project. We've got a lot of great creators on it. And in addition, in, in addition to that, just working on writing my own projects, I just started writing another graphic novel, uh, which done with the first issue onto the second one right now. Um, so that's just a four issue mini series that I'd like to pitch around, maybe kickstart, we will see, but it's just in the early stages right now. Uh, but nice. yeah, it's exciting to be, have different projects in the works and no, just to definitely. be writing. Yeah. 
it's all about starting slow. I mean, I, I still go back. It's been, uh, I feel, I still feel like I'm not doing that much. It's a <laughs> terrible thing, even though I have stuff that's actually happened. But you know, if I went back three years ago when I really started writing it and told myself, I'm sure I'd have been ecstatic, uh, which isn't to say I'm not ecstatic, sure. uh, but I'm really excited for you. I'm glad that I was able to send you that when they were looking yes. at missions. Um, Thank you very much, bro. Nadia's great, so I'm sure she's going to do a great job editing it and Absolutely. making sure the book is uh, looks gorgeous. Um, and I'm glad you're working with Andrew. I've been <laughs> we're going to get around to our pitch of it. He was telling me about it last time when we were talking, but yeah, <laughs> pitches yeah, no, are I mean, slow, but yeah. No, and you know, I know he's been doing a lot of work, um, and I'm glad because I, I, he's a good guy, and uh, I'm glad. Honestly, I'm just glad he's still interested. Yes, because you know, and. and you know, whenever he gets around to it, we'll hopefully be able to work more on that pitch. But, sure. Uh, no, it's been a really good year. I think this year is going to be even better for both of us. And uh, it makes comics exciting to talk about. But on the flip side, it also makes it – I feel bad because I always feel like it's the show I'm the least prepared for because as a dedicated trade waiter, um, I haven't read like a lot of what comes out in a year by the time we do this show. I, I do read a good bit of it. I stay up on trades. And I am getting better because as someone who has now experienced being in uh, Diamond and how weird the pre-order system is, yeah. I'm trying to do better to support my friends because a lot of them have books coming out. So I've been doing better to pre-order to get those single issues and, and support books that I like. Um, and that'll that'll come up a little on this list probably. But um, yeah. Well, you were without a comic way. shop for a few months. I mean, when yeah, that you moved. Help. Um, yeah. And it's still a very small one. It's sort of like a converted out of a uh, like a used bookstore that decided to start carrying comics type sure. of situation. Sure. The other one that opened uh, was like a game store that's selling comics. So neither of them are dedicated comic shops, sure. but it's been good. You know, they use the, the pre-order system so I can get what I, I would like as long as I put the orders in. But man, it's an archaic system that hopefully they can find a way to fix uh, yeah. at some point. Um, but Anyway, I'm really excited to talk comics. I'm sure you are as well. Absolutely. I have a, well, the thing is, like, with my year, so, you know, in addition to my job, I also review comics for uh, our local comic shop, Ultimate Comics, which is where we record a lot of the podcasts. Uh, and so I get, you know, a free issue every week to review. And so because of that, like, I was making my list a few weeks ago of everything I read in 2017. And it's definitely more than I've ever read in any other year because just getting that much content um, uh, just available to me every week has introduced me to all kinds of creators, all kinds of publishers, different books out there. So it's been a really great year for on that side. And um, it's inspired me to write more as well. So I'm definitely awesome. excited about this one, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but before we get to the topics, yes. uh, just looking back on the year in general, it was Interesting, I guess, to say the least. There were some um, big stories that came out, especially at the tail end. But I think, uh, to me, what sums it up, it was definitely, if we're looking at Big Two specifically, yeah, it was definitely DC's year. I think Marvel is still struggling after Secret Wars. It's now been a couple years of them not really capitalizing, yeah. I don't think. I um, think they're just kind of trying to figure out what's next. You know, they did... Secret Wars, and then everything after that was supposed... Like, Secret Wars was supposed to be their big relaunch and everything. And then Rebirth happened on DC, and they saw how successful that was. And then, you know, they've pretty much tried to mimic that with Legacy recently, with going back to the old numbering system and, you know, sort of capitalizing on 
the nostalgia and sort of all the characters as they were years ago. So it's yeah. an interesting transition. Um, and, you know, of course, with, you know, one of their biggest names of the 21st century leaving Marvel for DC, that definitely makes for, you know, an interesting transition there. Uh, but on that note, you want to talk about the news related to Bendis, Lisa? Yeah, so obviously one of the bigger positive news stories, because there were a lot of bad news stories in comics in 2017. Yeah. yeah. Um, or maybe not even positive. I guess it's technically kind of neutral or, or surprising at the very least. Was Brian Michael Bendis um, obviously announced that he's leaving Marvel exclusivity and is working for DC, which is uh, a crazy shift. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's the closest you could think is if Jeff Johns left DC for Marvel. Like right, he's, right. Like, when you think... Marvel, you think business um, in, in a lot of respects, and then so he's going to be starting work at DC. He's gonna. It was announced he's going to make his debut with Action Comics 1000, which I would assume is only a few months away at this point. It, yeah, it is. It's going to be an oversized. I mean, I heard when I was talking with the guys at the shop, I heard it's going to be like several hundred pages, like a full graphic novel length, and multiple creators involved, obviously. But yes, he will have at least one story in that book. And yeah. uh, they've come out with some, uh, they just announced today that they're returning to like the classic Superman look for that book. And so it'll be really interesting to see uh, how that comes out. But I, you know, we actually, we were speculating at the shop on what book he would take over. And yeah, Jeremy from the shop is the one who said, yeah, Action Comics would be a perfect fit for him. Because, um, well, and it fits too, because the ultimate catalyst for him uh, making the move to DC was when he visited the Superman Museum, which is, I believe it's in Philadelphia. And so it's, you know, it fits that that's the characters that he's going to go to first. And I think it works really well. I mean, based on his caliber and kind of characters he's worked with, you know, and just the things he's done with, you know, big events and whatnot, it, you have to give a book like that to him to start out with because he's Bendis. I mean, he's got a uh, you know, I was speculating when I when we first heard the news and Rich and I were talking about this, and I, I share with you too, like a character I would really like to see him write would be the question. Uh, but, uh, and Definitely. that would be really cool to see eventually. But I think to start out with, he's going to, yeah, he's, they're giving him Superman. I think, yeah, I think any, like for me, just if I'm wish listing, I uh -huh. agreed also with Teen Titans. I think any yes. young group yes. or young character yes. would be great for him. I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of Jonathan Kent in his story. Yeah. That oh, he yeah. Right for Superman. Well, um, especially with Jonathan Kent's presence in the DC universe as of late, like between Super Sons, uh, and he's been such a focal point of the main Superman book that yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I mean, it's been great. I think. Um, not to get completely on a tangent, but I think, you know, Jonathan Kent and the return of the pre-New 52 Superman has really done a lot to energize the character and give him a new purpose and focus. Absolutely. Um, but as far as Bendis, you know, I think the question would also be good. I'm a huge Rene Montoya fan. That I think any good. detective, really, um, Elongated Man would also probably be a fun fit because uh, I, I also just would love to see more Ralph Dibney in sure, the sure. DC universe. Um, but, what you know, Superman's – I good place to start i mean go with the biggest dc icon you can sure absolutely um, but uh so there was that and i think it's you know dc is the hot place to be right now i think it speaks to that uh they've you know they launched rebirth and over a year and a half in it's still 
absolutely crushing it. Uh, it had a great year in 2017 with a lot of strong continuations, a lot of new books. Somehow all with, with DC finally picking up the pace, doing twice monthly, having the trades come out a lot faster than yeah. they used to. Yes. Um, it's hugely beneficial to someone like me, um, and it, it just speaks to a sense of purpose. And I think what really the difference is, uh, you know, the new 52 got panned for not having a sense of focus, but what it did do was switch everything up and give new writer, new books to new writers, and it was like a, a clean slate across the board with the exception, excuse me, of, you know, Batman and Green Lantern, especially right, with right. Jeff Johns. Um, and then I think Marvel now did the same. Um, it either was new creators switching everything up or, you know, the, char- the creators that did stay on books radically shifted the, the, the direction of the series like Superior Spider-Man. Sure, um, sure. I think the biggest problem with things like uh, Marvel post-Secret Wars or even Marvel Legacy is that they haven't done enough to be like, no, these are new starting points. This is a fresh beginning for these books because a lot of the creative teams stayed the same after Secret Wars. A lot of the Legacy teams are the same. Um, You know, I think Dan Slott should have – I mean, you know, he's leaving when he's leaving, but Dan Slott leaving Spider-Man at one of those points – would have made it so that there could have been a stronger, fresh start. Um, and I would think that's the same across the whole line, whereas really it was just almost business as usual, just with new numbers on it, which has not really worked in the past. Sure. Um, but to that end, uh, you know, one of the big things that we just found out, and obviously this is a 2018 story, but it's worth mentioning, is Dan Slott uh, did announce he's leaving Amazing Spider-Man with issue 801 uh, after an almost 200-issue run as the main writer and uh, will be taking over Iron Man. So that's the kind of shakeup that they really should do in a concentrated effort. But Dan Slott writing Iron Man, Iron Man is exciting and interesting. So it is, and I mean, I was going to ask you because I haven't followed uh, much of like the big stuff in Marvel since Civil War II, uh, other than a few books. But I know in Civil War II, Tony kind of left after that, and uh, what was her name? Riri like took over as Riri Williams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So is she still going to be around? Cause I know Bendis wrote that book. I believe she's still going to be around. Um, but Dan Slott in the interview was saying or implied he is still writing Tony Stark. Right, right, right. That's what, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a good fit for him. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, but there are a lot of parallels between Peter and Tony. And so, and I mean, he's obviously written them in crossovers and stuff. So, It'll be interesting to see him take over that character, but now we just got to yeah. see if he's going to write him for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we'll see. I, I think Iron Man um, has has more than Spider-Man, I think. When I think Spider-Man, obviously, he's really defined the 20th century or the sure. 21st century Spider-Man outside of JMS. I mean, he was a big part. Even before he took over the book, uh, Brand New Day, he was one of the brain trust writers for that. Sure. Iron Man's had a much more varied past 2015 years, especially since growing popular. He's had really good runs by Matt Fraction. Um, I believe. Kieran Gillen. Yeah, no, Kieran Gillen. I, yeah. I love that run. The uh, one Iron That's Man. where they did uh, Superior Iron Man, wasn't that? Or did they call that it that? That was right after. Tom Taylor did. That was like a two. Tom, right, arc. right, right. Yeah. It was, was weird, but it was a thing. And then um, Bendis took over. So Iron Man's had a more varied past 15 years. I, I think Gillen's was my favorite run. I don't think it's beloved, but I really liked it. Sure. Um, so I'll, I, it'll be interesting to see uh, where that goes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it. I was just going to ask, too, like, I mean, because 
you know, as big a Spider-Man fan as you are, uh, do you have a particularly favorite arc or era from the Dan Slott run? Mine is Superior oh. Spider-Man. But. No, I think Superior Spider-Man is number one with a bullet. Sure. I, it, it, I think it, by far and away, was the most focused, the most interesting, and most exciting part of his entire run. It was a very purposeful story. It's self, you know, it's it's fairly self-contained at thirty issues with, you know, uh, an arc that I would give to people to be like, this is a really good Spider-Man story. Yes, I think the closest that it comes, other than that, is I loved Spider Island. Yeah. I still think mm-hmm. that's a great event. It's obviously much shorter. It's not like a, a long particular part of the run, but. Those are what I think of as, as the highlights. Sure. Um, other things, I mean, I did enjoy Spider-Verse um, and Clone Conspiracy, but I don't think they, they came close to those other storylines. Sure. I like Spider-Verse I think, a lot. I haven't read Clone Conspiracy, but I know it's been going on for a but yeah. 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 I, I think really, especially lately, and, you know, it's been a lot of, a lot more an issue of filler arcs between the big crossover arcs. Sure. Um, which I think is just a matter of he's written basically every big Spider-Man villain at this point, and coming up with new things to say gets harder. Um, and I, I just think you know I haven't been super excited about him as the lead writer in a while, just because I, I, I like change up. I, I, I'm excited for new blood. I mean that's sure. why I'm excited to read Spectacular Spider-Man and Chip Zdarsky, which I think has become the more critical do- darling series. That one's as a fun. Of it I read being a fresh voice. I reviewed the first issue when it came out. It was it's just got that old school energy to it, and it came out right when Homecoming came out, so it was perfectly in sync with that. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. But. Yeah. Um, that said, I've always appreciated what he's done. I've liked when he shakes things up. I enjoyed Worldwide at the start, um, actually, and I, I do think you can do more with Spider Man. I, you know, he's a character that is eternally frustrating to me as much as I love him because they'll never really let him grow up. No, uh, no. <laughs> and I, you know, I get that on some level. I, I, you know, he is that character for a lot, but I also think that's the point of characters like Miles and Spider-Gwen and Silk is they can be the young guard now because, and part of it's because I came into Spider-Man and really started reading with the JMS run when it was fully about, no, he's an adult now. He's growing up. He's dealing with real issues for an adult. And so ever since then, it's been like, no, he's just any progress he's going to make is going to get undone. And it's a little frustrating. Well, and it, on that note, too, that's and I'll be talking about this more in the episode. But with Tom King's Batman run, that's been the most fascinating thing about it is how much he's evolving the character and doing th- doing something that really no other Batman writer has done to this level before. And that is to try to have Bruce Wayne find happiness. And so it's just been, especially in the most recent storylines, it's been fascinating to see with him getting engaged to Catwoman and all, all these things going on. It's a really major point in his evolution. And so I'm you know, stoked to see where that'll go from here. Um, and also on that note too, uh, you know, uh, Slot's uh, uh, you know, run ending, uh, it's like Scott Snyder is also, uh, after Metal, he has like one, he's announced he has one more big Batman story after that, and then that will be the end of his run. Um, you know, obviously he can, he had his Batman run in New 52, which ended, um, you know, right before Rebirth, but he's still been writing Batman since then with All-Star Batman and then Metal. And even before New 52, he was writing de- Detective Comics. But he said in an interview that when he started writing the character, Grant Morrison told him to have an ending um, for your run in mind because you want to tell it with a beginning and a middle and an end. Even though this character is always going to be around, 
you know, until the sky's clear and everything. It, I mean, you want to make your Batman your Batman and um, and have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So it's definitely yeah. All yeah. right, well let's let's stop looking to the future. Let's let's look sure. back over the last year now. Okay. We're gonna sure. finally get to it and look at our favorite books, uh, single issues, cool. storylines, all the stuff from the past year. This is our best of 2017. Sweet, let's do um, it. All right, so, so what are we starting with? We're going to kick off, and I'll let you take this one first. Okay. Uh, new series. What was our favorite new series that launched in 2017? Uh, Kevin, take us away. Okay, so my favorite new series that uh, – this is one I've just enjoyed so much that I've collected in single issues. I bought The Trade, uh, which just came out. This is an Aftershock title called Baby Teeth, uh, and I've okay. talked a little bit about it on the show before and at Comic-Cons and stuff. Um, it's written by Donnie Cates um, with art by Gary Brown. It's a horror comic about the birth of the Antichrist. So um, it's similar to um, American Jesus by Mark Millar and Peter Gross from a while back, uh, but with a different spin on it, though. So the main character is the mother. Um, and basically, you know, she, uh, she the first issue starts with her in the future and she's recounting this story. And, you know, so you witness everything from the birth and then to the you know first few weeks. Um, and then when she realizes that something's wrong with her child and that's when more supernatural elements get introduced to the story. Um, there's an assassin that comes into play. There's all these things going on. Um, I was just really fascinated. I've been really fascinated by this book throughout. Um, it's seven issues so far because the first arc was six issues. But it's just been one of those really gripping tales from start to finish. Uh, it's the kind of horror I like that's just really character focused. It's, you know, not uh, just relentless gore for no reason or anything. It's got a lot of heart to it. And, um, and I love the art. It's, you know, uh, Gary Brown's. And then the colorist is Mark Englert, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but Aftershock's been really producing some great stuff in the last couple of years. You know, and, you know, we met the publisher at Oak City and Heroes. Um, they're a really great team of people. Um, well, the the publisher is that, or the CEO, uh, no, chief creative officer. He's uh, the brother of Scout Comics publisher, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Prowitt. So um, they're just really creating a lot of great stories. And um, yeah, this is just one of those books I look forward to every month. And um, I love everything from the art, the writing. And, and it's also not like... Even though it is very dark, it's not so grim that it's without humor. Um, there's some really good dark humor in there. And especially at the end of the first arc, because originally when I picked it up, I thought it might be a miniseries. But then the first arc leaves you with a big twist at the end. And I'm really excited to see where it'll go from here. So that's my favorite new series. Awesome. That is one I really would like to check out. Yes. Um, I know the trade's out. They actually have it here. I was surprised. Oh, cool. Nice. Uh, but that's that's what you get when 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 it's a, a smaller owner. They just kind of order what looks interesting to them. Sure, and sure. I, that one has gotten a lot of buzz. Um, yeah, I really like the premise. I do want to check it out. I just haven't had a chance yet. Sure, but I'm sure. glad to hear it's super good. It is. It really is. Um, well, for me, uh, it was. This is always a tricky category because a lot of what I read. Um, are continuations of what I'm already reading because, sure. which isn't to say I don't buy a lot of volume ones, especially when publishers like Image and Valiant, Valiant, eh, Valiant make them ten dollars. Yeah. Uh, but for me, is one I read fairly recently, 
um, and captures a lot of what I liked about the first appearance of this duo. Uh, my favorite new series is Super Sons. Yes. Oh, so good. Um, this book is just fun. It is, uh, it's not the deepest book ever. It's not, you know, a lot of pathos or, you know, grim stuff, which isn't to say there's no depth to it, but there is just something very odd cop, odd couple fun about watching Jonathan, the ever optimistic Jonathan Kent and, you know, <laughs> the, you know, self-proclaimed best superhero in the DC universe, Damian Wayne team yeah. up. <laughs> uh, they're, they're just delightful. Their interplay is great. Whether it's, uh, Damian saying he's older and Jonathan rebuking that he's taller, or if it's a fantastically funny image of Damian riding piggyback on Jonathan's shoulders while they spread through the woods. Um, I read the first arc of this and I, I just, I was smiling ear to ear, uh, just from beginning to end, I think Peter J. Tabassi is doing a great job continuing his characterization of Jonathan Kent. Um, he's been one of my favorite new characters of the past couple of years just because he's so youthful and exciting. And it's just, you know, following in the footsteps of his father and trying to be a good hero with his powers. Um, and then just kind of getting pulled into these hijinks by Damien, uh, who just wants to be a detective on his own and, and you know, prove he's so good. Um, the artwork is also phenomenal. I'm forgetting off the top of my head who drew the first arc. I'd have to look too, but, um, um and, and well, and I, I'm pretty sure it's the same artist throughout cause that's a monthly title, but I know they just did a crossover too with Superman, uh, which I yeah. also heard is really good, but yeah. Um, Jorge Jimenez. That's right. So yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's so, it's, it's, the, like yeah, the, the art style is exuberant. The facial expressions are great. The action is phenomenal. Um, it it just it's a, it's a super fun book. I think you can read it separate from the main book, though. Oh, I think it also helps yeah. to read them all together and see this journey going. Again, they had a great first arc where Batman and Superman made them work together for the first time in the regular Superman yes. title. Mm. Uh, and they're just a lot of fun to see play off each other. So for that reasons, uh, for, for that reason and the fact that a lot of what I read continues to be either continuations or I'm waiting on trades of other new series, uh, but not to sell short the fact that Super Sons is just a lot of fun and definitely worth checking out. Also, it's a phenomenally good priced first trade. It's only twelve ninety nine, which mm-hmm. is like unheard of from the big two. Sure. So I would say check it out. Oh, I fully agree. It's one of my favorites right now. Uh, it's just like you said. It's like it's like a buddy cop in middle school. It's just so much fun, and yeah, the real thing is how much you know. I'm enjoying a book with Damian Wayne in it because everyone just gets so annoying with that kid because he's just so full of it and arrogant. But that's where you know Tomasi takes that and uses it to his advantage in the story, and like he fully recognizes that. And pairing him with his total opposite makes for just a total. It is so much fun. Um, he, and yeah, he knows how to let him be arrogant, yes. but also when to cut him down. Exactly. Right. Not right. too much. Right. Uh, it's a very, it's a tough balance, but he nails it. So it's amazing how much he gets that like youthful voice, right? Cause it's hard when you're an adult trying to recapture, you know, youth and write a child character really well, but he just nails it. And he nails the father son relationship in Superman. Uh, so I, I've loved everything about that whole about Jonathan Kent's character and about Super Sons and 
yeah, I'm really excited about checking out uh, the crossover they recently did with the main Superman title. Nice. So, good thing. Um, awesome. Well, that would bring us to uh, favorite miniseries. Okay. There is a chance. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. There's a chance we might have the same one for this, or it might show up later on your list. I don't know. But uh, I'll start off with this one. Okay. And I'll say, you know, weirdly enough, um, this is one where I really, really enjoyed it, and I, I do love it, even though I didn't like the ending. Um, and I, it's not even like, I don't even think it's the wrong ending. It's just it it was it was very nihilistic, okay, but also weirdly hopeful. Uh, and you'd think I'd love that. I'm a Brian K. Vaughn fan, and that his endings are nothing if not kind of miserable. Sure. Um, but for me, my favorite miniseries was Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. Okay, yeah. It was, Matthew Rosenberg. I liked it a lot. It was, it's actually not my on, on my list, but it, it was on my short list. I really enjoyed it. But okay. It, the ending was, I mean, when the, the abrupt cross into the future and then, yeah, seeing what happened there. But, well, go ahead and yeah, talk about to, it. I don't no. want to give anything away. Sure. Um, but, I don't know, throughout while reading it, I remember because I read the first issue and I was like, immediately stricken by how good it was. Um, it almost could have been favorite single issue um, just because I really enjoyed the first issue. Sure. And then the continuing uh, – Matthew Rosenberg is a very interesting writer. I think he does a lot with the format. Um, it's also just you know having discovered him a couple years ago right before he broke with Marvel and started doing Kingpin and Secret Warriors and – having a rocket raccoon getting getting a chance to do all these big things with um we can never go home and i really enjoyed that one also had a very bleak ending yeah um but this one feels like a next step it does a really good job of characterizing its four main characters and this idea of escapism and uh living in fantasy each issue opens with sort of them either playing a video game or Dungeons and Dragons or playing with uh, cars. And it like sells the idea of the sort of games kids really like to play in the eighties. And uh, the dialogue's crackling. There's great references. There's a really good star Wars reference in the last issue. Um, There's a bunch of uh, just great small characters and character beats. And it's a really hard book to talk about. I mean, what it comes down to is it's about, uh, four kids who, for reasons I, I won't give away because I yeah. think it's good to just be as clean as possible going into it, uh, end up having to rob a bank. And the story is just sort of about why they're doing it, how they set it up. Um, and it has a lot of creative panels and pages that manage to fit a lot in. It has this great, like, really dense pages for their them talking on CB radio with just, like, very tiny panels. That was the only really frustrating thing about it was, I mean, I get that that was the point of the style and everything, but it was really a pain to read at points when, especially, what was that one kid who, like, he whispers a lot, so they intentionally made uh, his words, like, ridiculously tiny on that? Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I forget his name off the top. Sure. But, yeah, no, I mean, it, it does do a lot of stylistic choices. I don't agree with all of them. Sure. But I do think, you know, they're all justifiable. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it, it it makes me want to push more and do more creative things with comics. Um, and, you know, even if they're not all going to be winners, he's got a lot of um, risk-taking. And, and I really like that. I like the story on the whole. Uh, the ending is just a little bit weirdly it's, – it's a, it's a hint vague for my taste is really the biggest thing. I would have liked a little more concrete sure. answer. Um, 
but I, I get not having that. Um, it was, it was, but the, the ride was worth it. Even if I didn't love, love the ending, it was still just a fantastic mini series. Um, and I'm always excited to see what he writes next. Sure. So four kids walk into a bank was my favorite miniseries. Yeah. And that's from black mass comics for our, yes. our listeners out there. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. I, there was a review on the back of the trade that said, it's like Tar- if Tarantino directed Goonies. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, that's but, uh, but no, I really enjoyed it as well. I thought it was great characterization. Uh, the art was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, the plot, did, yeah, I was, a, it, it was an interesting kind of ambiguity at the end. Um, but at the same time, I thought it worked in way. I mean, it was perfect for a miniseries. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely interested in checking out more of his work. I've read Kingpin and I really liked that because um, I read a good bit of the um, running with the devil event. That was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it really was, that was good. So good pick. Um, so what about you? Okay. So mine for this one. So I had another mini series that it's in my top three. So I'll wait to talk about that. But, uh, for, um, the one for this category. So mine's not over yet, but it's a pretty big book out right now. Um, Mr. Miracle is from okay. DC. So this will be, uh, um, 12 issues once it's all said and done. So it's still got a while to go. They just had issue six come out. But um, yeah, I mean, there was a ton of buzz about this book in the months leading up to it. Um, after Tom King uh, came to DC full time, uh, I read an interview the other day that to talk about how this book came about. And apparently he and Dan Didio had a conversation one night like at a hotel and um, Didio pitched him like, what if you did Vision, but at DC? And that's pretty much exactly what this book is. Um, in some, I mean, in some ways, I actually still, I mean, I know um, Vision's done, Mr. Miracle's still ongoing. I do like Vision a little bit better, just because, I don't know, I thought the concept was more interesting. Um, but with what he's doing with Mr. Miracle, and what really makes this book is Mitch, um, Mitch Garrods. Is it Garrods or Garrods? I should probably. I thought Garrods, so I Garrods. don't know. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. Like, uh, Mitch G, let's just call him that for now, because I'll be talking about him a lot in this episode. So, um, But his art in this, he did the pencils, the inks, the colors. It's just breathtaking. Um, but Mr. Miracle is basically a book about, um, it, this is a you know lesser-known DC character from the Apocalypse universe created by Jack Kirby years ago. And basically in this one, it's him you know having come back to life and... Uh, he's trying to leave behind his world on um, New Apocalypse Behind, just stay on Earth with Big Barda and live a more simple life. But of course, he's brought back into the war against Darkseid. And it's it, there's really not a ton of plot in each issue. I mean, I don't want to say that like, you know, nothing happens, but it's more of a like, it, it, one of those comics, like a comic or a movie where it's more about the experience than the actual, you know, what's happening. Um, is the best way to describe it. And it is just, it's so meta. It's just so gripping and emotional and character driven. And it's one of those that it really is hard to describe if you haven't read it, because it's one of those you just have to experience for yourself. But the creative team of Tom King and Mitch uh, Garrett's, we'll just call, I'm just going to call them that for now, um, is they have such a, you know, like creative wavelength that works so well together. Uh, and, They've been working together on different books for a while between this and Sheriff of Babylon and Batman. And it just shows here how 
in tune, in sync they are with one another. Um, and really what I love about the series is that each issue is sort of standalone. I mean, there is an overarching narrative going on, but, you know, like issue five is just like him and Big Barda, um, like sharing their last day together on Earth. And then uh, there's issue three actually brought in uh, Jack Kirby, which is really cool, too, at the end. Uh, and so it's just one of those comics that is just so transformative and you don't really know what you're going to get in each issue. And you just have to go along with it. And um, yeah, it's just one of, I mean, it, it's been critically acclaimed across the border. Everyone's loving it. You know, I, I'm glad I pre-ordered it when I can't because it sold out so quickly and they were delivering second and third prints within the first month of the first issue. So it's just one of those books that's taken the comic book world by storm and rightfully so. Yeah, I really want to read it. Um, it's another one where I'm waiting for that. I actually, you know, I have the, first, the, the vision. I have both volumes, but then sure. they were like, we're going to do the director's cut. I, I like, saw well. that, yep. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd never read the second one because now they have the giant deluxe hardcover edition. I'm like, I just want to read that now. And it's got it's like, like script excerpts and original art and all that. Yeah, it looks really good. So Yeah, it's it's uh, something I want to check out. So the idea that he's doing the same thing – or not the same thing, but a similar, a similar I mean, idea over right. at DC is exciting. I've seen the buzz on this one. I really like Tom King as a writer. Yes. Um, I think – he really, you know, has blown up and is doing really good work. And so I'm excited to check that one out when I get the chance. It is. It's one of those, like, you know, sometimes books, I feel like sometimes books can be overhyped and, and movies too. And, um, but this is one where he totally lives up to all the hype and all the reviews. So definitely check it out. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the first of our big ones. Okay. On top three, we're going to go to number three. And again, this one will be back to you. Okay, sounds good. So my number three pick, I like. I don't know anyone who will agree with me on this one because my <laughs> number two and number one are pretty critically, critically acclaimed and um, widely regarded. This one, so it, it only ran five issues um, after, and it was canceled. It was, uh, it got some good critical reviews, at least of the debut issue, um, but for the most part, it was not well received by fans of the character. And it was written by a big name who had never written a comic before. Um, but this is just one I couldn't wait for every issue, um, every month. And I just, it's not, you know, a groundbreaking title like Mr. Miracle, but it's one I had fun with relentlessly. And that is Marvel's Man-Thing. So um, this is the R.L. Stein okay. one. The R- yes, yes. So it's so campy and it is so ridiculous and fun and absurd, but... That's what I loved about it. It felt like an 80s B-movie uh, that, you know, you just, you're just in for the ride. Or, um, I don't, have you read any Man-Thing, like, of the old stuff before? Not particularly. Yeah. It is not a character I have much connection to. Sure, and I didn't either. I only, that's why, I, you know, I was looking for a good jumping on point with this one. Um, and from what I've heard from hardcore fans, which, I mean, really, let's be honest, there aren't going to be that many hardcore fans of man thing out there. Um, but they were, they didn't, they hated this book because it was, you know, different from, um, the old stuff. And, and the biggest thing is that the character is talking in this one. Uh, so the first issue starts out with him actually in Hollywood, trying to break it out as like playing, you know, monsters and acting in monster movies. And he's talking and 
in the old comics. That's that was the whole point is he never talks and uh, and so that was an immediate you know why fans wrote it off and everything. But yeah, for me, I just I don't know. I just had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was a perfect fit for Alstein for his first comic um, because it feels right at home with Goosebumps and all his other horror titles. And actually at the end of each issue, what I really liked the most is that uh, he wrote short stories that were, I'm pretty sure they were comic adaptations of some of his old stories uh, and Mm -hmm. um, that they were just, you know, not connected to anything. And that's how he would end each issue. And I love those, especially Um, they were just nice self-contained creepy one-offs and um, but yeah, it was just one of those where coming, it helped. I think that I didn't really have any knowledge of the character coming in. Other than, you know, I knew he was, he's a, sort of ache into Swamp Thing. Um, he had one really bad movie about, uh, you know, I think in 2005, I want to say. And then, you know, he has a classic comic run. Um, but as someone who didn't have all those uh, notions coming in and could just enjoy it, I had a blast with this book. It was um, nice and serialized. It, you know, I would have loved to see it continue, but unfortunately it sold terribly and uh, was canceled after number five, but at least we got a full story arc and I uh, was able to enjoy it. So yeah, that was actually, I mean, it was, so R.L. Stein and German Peralta, I believe is how you say his name, um, is the artist. But yeah, it's just as someone, and as someone, I, so I recently start. I just started this week watching Ash vs. Evil Dead, um, cause it's on Netflix now. And so it's, mm-hmm. if you love stuff like that, like Sam Raimi and, um, you know, uh, all those, you know, kind of campy horror movies from the eighties, this is like the perfect book for you. So I thoroughly cool. enjoyed Man Thing. You know, I think uh I will say as my exposure to Man Thing actually is I think I've seen ten minutes of that movie. Okay, yeah. Two thousand five. Yeah. It was on Sh- not Shudder. Maybe Shudder. Uh-huh. Whatever the horror movie channel is, I think it might be Shudder. Uh-huh. Um or that's just the app. But yeah, it's not a very good movie. Oh yeah, no, it's like, think, it, it's regarded as like one of Marvel's worst adaptations ever. But yeah. Yeah, I think when you're a fan of a lesser known character, you just kind of have to accept <laughs> that they're going to do radically different things with them because less people care and they want to try and make them hit. Right. Um, I've definitely run into that. It's my big sticking point with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. As much as I enjoy them, they really radically changed what the characters are like in the comics in some ways. Um, But, you know, I still have those old books, so I I try not to really care. Man-Thing is even less – like it's not like Man-Thing got famous. They just were trying to do something with Man-Thing. Right, right. Um, But, you know, I I remember reading the first few pages of it because I flipped through the issue and it it definitely seemed like it would be hooky fun. Yes, it Um, was. I mean it – I mean, it was exactly what I expected from, uh, like, an R.L. Stein comic. and um, But, yeah, it just, I don't know. And I liked yeah. that there was, I mean, just down to, like, the structure of it. Like, it was, you know, filled with text and narration that didn't really need to be there. But, it, I mean, that's how a lot of old comics work, where they have to explain everything, you know, um, in the text, in the captions. Uh, so it was just fun. It brought me back to that era. No, I think that um, it's a book I will check out. Sure. I'm thinking about just because there's a lot on there. Or, I mean, you know, not to, to bash it, but it, it will definitely be in $5 bins at conventions. Oh, yes. Oh, I, yeah. There's like one copy of the trade at the carry store. And yeah, but. Yeah. 
Um, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. And yes. I, I think a lot of people enjoyed it on that same level. Well, that's the thing. Like, sure. I, I saw some good critical reviews. It just it it, it really it what it came down to is it didn't sell well enough to continue. But um, sure, that's you know, that's any book. Sure, but who knows? Maybe they'll um, get be able to revive it eventually. But we'll see. Either way, I hope R.L. Stein writes more comics because I think he yeah, does a, is a good fit for it. Yeah. All right. Um, well, number three okay. for me is one of probably the least predictable books I could pick. But, okay. you know, I, the, the thing is a lot of my favorites are ongoings because I've been reading them either for years now or it, I've just read more of it. But also I love them. Um, and this is one I've undoubtedly mentioned before. Um but Giant Days is still one of my favorite on okay. books. Nice. Um, it's from Boombox. It is by <clears throat> John Allison and Max Saren. Uh, John Allison's the writer. Max Saren is the artist. And I just, I, I adore this book. It's it's as simple as it's you know the story of three women going to college and it's following them into their. Uh, I believe they're still in their sophomore year. I don't know if the most recent issues they finally moved on to junior year, but that's that's the whole book, and it's about their adventures. And um, I didn't read a lot of it that was from this year, which is why I was – or from 2017. I read, I think, just the first few issues. Um, but every time I get a trade of that, I'm super excited, and I devour it, and it's always good. So uh, it's always in my mind, um, and I just think it's a book more people should check out. It's, it's a slice-of-life book. It's extremely funny and relatable, and the characters are super lovable. Um, and the artwork has only gotten better. It started with a different artist, and I'm not saying they were bad. I actually really liked the original artist, Lisa Tremaine. Um, but then when Max Saren started, it was a little stiff at first, but then they changed up the inker. And it's just, you know, he's gotten so good at drawing the characters at this point. Or... I believe it's a he. Now, now, now I want to double check because Max could be either could go either way. Yeah. Um, but the characters are just so expressive, and it's it's way easier to, uh, you know, just um, not. I don't want to say immediately recognize. They're all recognizable. It's just uh, an extremely entertaining book, and I, I feel bad because it's not like there's deeper stuff. Uh, or there is deeper stuff. It's very good at giving the characters a lot of depth and development. Um, but I just, I, I have a lot of affection for this book and I think more people should read it. Um, but I mean, it's in its thirties, I think. So at this point it's doing really well. Cool. Um, and it looks like Max Saren is a she, so my apologies on that. Gotcha. Wait, so what's uh, the publisher? Is, uh, it's from Boom. It's part of their okay, Boombox cool. line. Nice. Um, nice. It's not – it is an all-ages book. I mean it's part of their Boombox line, but I think it is a little more like uh, probably at least 10 plus, 13 plus I would say. OK. But uh, yeah, it's just fun. I, I always enjoy reading it and you know I think about it a lot there. And it's one of the rare books where I have a lot of the trades, but they're starting to do the hardcovers. It's one where I'm just like, God, I just kind of want to get those because they're so nice. Um, and usually if I'm going to go hardcover, I try to go from the beginning or once I'm only one trade in, um, I'm thinking that with the cinder actually, cause, cause I only have the first couple trades and yeah. the, the first hardcover looks gorgeous. That's a good um, series too. Yeah. I need to do that. But yeah. Wow. Cool. Uh, my number three is giant days. Awesome. Cool. I'll definitely check it out. Cause you know, I have heard you talk about it before, so 
I mean, you can get the digital trades for almost nothing at this point. Okay, I sweet. think they have a bundle of the first four volumes. It's like eight dollars. Sweet, cool. Uh, so, uh, cool. yeah, that would be my number three. Next up, we're gonna go to single issue. Okay, sounds good. And uh, I'll again back on me to start. Okay. So again, like I was saying, I was trying really hard with this because because I read in there were two problems uh, because of me reading in trade. One is that because I read in trade. Um, I, I, you know, you experience comics differently when you're reading them in big chunks as opposed to month to month. Sure. Uh, the cliffhangers aren't cliffhanger. You don't stop and think about them because you just immediately can turn the page and see what happens next. So in a lot of respects, single issues tend to run together. Um, the plus side of that is that single issues do stand out more when they do hit you as being very special. Yes. Um, and I had a couple like that. The problem was – the other problem with trade waiting is you'll read books – in the middle or towards the end of the year and then be like, Oh, this was great. And then it'll be like, Oh, but it came out in 2016. Right. Right. It's, it's um, and I had some like that. One was, uh, the wicked, wicked and divines issue that was set up as a fashion magazine. And that kind of, uh, did interviews with all the characters and they got actual like journalists to interview Kieran while he was role playing the characters, which was really cool. Um, another one was issue seven of Superman, which was just sort of like, Superman taking a day off to spend time with his wife and son, and it has um, – honestly, if we were doing favorite pages, I absolutely love the page in that issue of him just sitting over the city and looking that, out over it smiling. Yeah, fantastic, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that immediately took my breath away when I first saw it. Um, but yeah, both of those are issues from 2016, uh, which I wouldn't have read until 2017, which is always the risk. There will be ones like that next year almost certainly. Um, but hopefully not, because like I said, I'm doing better about reading more single issues because I want to support people I know. And in that sense, uh, one of the best single issues I read this year, um, and disclaimer, these are from people I know and am friendly with, but it was a really good first issue, uh, was Long Lost Number 1 by Matthew Ehrman and Lisa Sterl. Okay, yeah, I see because I follow Ehrman on Twitter too, and I see him promote it. I do want to check that book out. So, yeah. yeah, I was able to... Uh, pre-order and start this series, and the first issue is immediately very striking and sells the atmosphere. It's a horror book. What exactly the horror is, I'm you know, is still not immediately clear. This is planned as I believe a twelve-issue maxi series okay. that they're doing. Their husband and wife team, um, and the first issue just basically introduces the two sisters that are at the center of the story. Uh, it does a great job. One is living alone with their pet and they are just kind of – their sister's coming to visit. Uh, one is very withdrawn, doesn't talk as much. The other is a chatty Kathy and has a great scene on a bus where she just kind of goes off on this tangent while talking to a woman and, and just, just talks about all these different topics. And it, both are immediately likable. The art style is – I always hate saying I, – I always feel like simple feels – dismissive and i don't mean it that way it's just it's very clean and it does a lot with a little in terms sure. of the line um it's almost got a uh studio ghibli-esque feel to it the way the character designs are um but they're very emotive and very uh engaging and it does a lot for being a black and white book which i always think you know it's another thing you don't see as much of these days in terms of i mean usually you see it in independent comics or uh 
small press books that'll do more with black and white. And I think it does it uses it really well to help set the mood of there's some kind of creature that is haunting them both in a way. Again, it's hard to say just because I've, I've only read the first couple of issues. And so a lot still has to be unpacked. Uh, but the first issue was immediately just very good. I hopefully will get to meet them in person this year at a con or something and get that signed. Um, I feel that way about a lot of books though. Um, but uh, this was just a really good first issue. And I read a lot this year uh, because I have been reading more stuff. And th this one stood out and I definitely think is worth checking out. You probably – you can. it's actually going back to print. So they're, they're, oh, cool. it sold really well. If you missed it, you'll have a chance. You can go to your shop and pre-order it again because, you know, it's uh, – Scout Comics is still growing. So it's probably not – it's not something that you're going to find in every single comic shop. But I would say try and find a copy of this. Sure. I'll definitely check it out. No. And he seems like a really cool guy, too, because I'm pretty – he's one of the Corpus creators, I think, too. Um, yeah, has a story. Yeah, no, a lot. I felt – let me be I, – I, that was a, an anthology that I really wanted to submit to, but I didn't come up with any ideas until after. And then suddenly all these people I knew were in it, and the, the, the FOMO I got is so – it was real. But I'm hoping to submit to the second volume uh, if that should happen. Hopefully. Sure. Oh, it'll be – I mean, I think, you know, Nadia really wants to grow it as much as she can, so – will definitely be more opportunities, but, um, but yeah, no, I definitely want to check out that book. So good recommendation. Um, yeah, definitely. so mine is, uh, I'll have more indie titles later, but, um, <laughs> um, back to mainstream DC. So, um, yeah, I, this was, it was hard to pin this one down too, because I do read both single issues and trades. Um, I try to, the, usually I try to, well, in addition to the books I get to review, um, I keep like, five or six titles in my pull list so it doesn't get so overwhelming. Um, but I try to, you know, support, you know, the smaller ones for single issues, um, like uh, the realm I'm collecting in issues. And that was on my short list for this one too. Um, the first issue that was really good. Uh, and that's by, it's illustrated and co-created by Jeremy Hahn. And so that one's a lot of fun because it's like, you know, it combines Western and sci-fi and fantasy. Um, basically all these fantasy creatures have, taken over the world and there's this um lone resistance fighter who's like a han solo figure kind of fighting back uh, and so that one i highly recommend it i really love the first issue so that was on here but if i had to pick though my favorite single issue of 2017 it would be batman 23 which uh, you, you may you probably read if you how many of the trades have you read in batman from the, i the have read through the third one they name okay it's in the third one because it it's this is the batman and swamp thing issue I yes okay yeah, yeah yes yeah. Okay, so that was a good issue you're not wrong right so this one it was like um this came right after the button event which the button was a short crossover between Batman and Flash to um that was ultimately kind of disappointing but it was to as kind of a tease for Doomsday Clock um but anyway so they did that event and they had just done you know major story arcs this was a brilliantly self-contained issue um having with swamp thing guest starring um written by tom king illustrated by mitch garrods and basically <laughs> batman and swamp thing are investigating a murder and um it turns out to be swamp thing's father and so um there's just a lot going on in the midst of these you know it's what 20 22 pages and the um there's so much accomplished in it everything from the art and again it's hard to put um, Mitch Garrett's 
you know, styling the words because it's very Watchmen-esque in that, you know, he uses the kind of like nine panel um, structure a lot. And that's a lot of something Tom King does a lot in his writing as well, no matter what, what artist he's working with. Uh, but there's that, there's this, um, I think it was a double splash page of Batman, and, of Bruce Wayne and Swamp Thing um, in Wayne Manor. And there's just so much detail embedded into that, um, this, you know, one page here. And it just plays out like that throughout. There's dark humor in it. There's, um, you know, a really nice detective story. Uh, probably the best thing is that, you know, that Swamp Thing sort of outbroods Batman in this issue, um, <laughs> which is a lot of fun to see. And yeah, this was by far one of the highlights of Tom King's run so far. Uh, and um, I just loved every minute of it. But uh, there were other contenders this year, but this would have to be my favorite single issue of the year. Okay. Yeah, I remember really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, again, part of that problem was reading it back to back with sure. all of the I Am Bane arc, which yes. I really liked. I Am Bane was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it uh, did a really good job of of putting those two together. Um, I'm always happy to see more Swamp Thing. Um, sure. Which I'm hoping. I think there's plans for another mini series this year from somebody. I think it was. Maybe it was Snyder. Oh, that's what I think. Um, or maybe it was Coppolo is like illustrating. Because I want to say I did see an announcement on that too. Um, but I'll have to go back and check. Because either, you know, I mean, Snyder has had a Swamp Thing run before, but either for him to return or to, for King to write it, you know, if he has time, um, that would be fantastic. But yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Well, so. awesome. I'm glad uh, that was a good one for you. For sure. So, um, well, that, next up. That'll be our big two storyline. So with this one, you know, there's a lot of Marvel and DC in here, yes. like a lot, a lot. And so we wanted to just look at a storyline from one of the big two that we really liked for whatever reason, whether it be a big event or a single self-contained arc from a book. Um, and it's, you know, just story arcs in general are a good thing to talk about. So, uh, Kevin, what was your favorite storyline from Marvel or DC this year? So there was a, you know, there's a lot of DC um, that I like, I really loved, um, you know, I'm uh, out of all the books I um, checked out this year, you know, like I'm reading Batman Beyond, Supergirl, um, let's see, Superman still. And uh, so there were a lot of the Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. I also started checking out and that I'm really enjoying. So there was a lot to choose from, but by far the arc that stood out the most um, that is not only one of the best parts of this run. This last time I'm going to talk about Tom King for today, but um, but uh, Batman: The War of Jokes and Riddles is one of the best Batman stories ever created, both on a writing and an art front. Um, if you pick it up in the trades, it's Volume Four. Um, it's like issues 25 through 32, I think. Um, but basically, this is so the main. Well, the present story takes place. Um, as a conversation between Bruce Wayne and uh, Selena Kyle and Bruce's after, shortly after their engagement. And Bruce is telling her um, that, you know, if you're going to marry me, you have to know about this part of my life and something I did, which I forever regret. Um, and I want you to know if you can still love me. And so he recounts the story of the War of Jokes and Riddles, which was um, took place during Zero Year. And it was when Joker and Riddler went to war with each other because um, originally, uh, Riddler had proposed an alliance between them to take down Batman, but Joker, um, 
wasn't willing to do that because if anyone was going to kill Batman, he had to do it, vice versa. So basically they get into an all-out war um, that involves everyone in Gotham pretty much. Um, they each take villains um, to their sides and Batman is, of course, caught in the middle of it, trying to stop it. And also in the midst of this, uh, they do the Kite Man origin, which um, was two issues, and he plays a major role in um, this arc as well. But it's just one of those just relentlessly entertaining that also adds a lot of depth to Bruce Wayne's character and plays into a major part of, you know, where his story is moving forward from here on. Um, it's a really unique depiction um, of both Joker and Riddler. With Joker, uh, he, at this point, he can't laugh right now because um, he's too obsessed with killing Batman at this point. And so that adds a really uh, interesting dimension to him, seeing him even more cynical and evil. And then Riddler is also really well done. Um, so it's set like in sort of in the wake of the zero year that Scott Snyder and Coppolo did um, back in New 52. And it's just phenomenal. Um, I forget, the, let's see, the art, the main artist was, his name is Michael Jannon, um, who's also been one of the main Batman artists. But yeah, with King's Batman run, like for me, it started off kind of slow with the first two, um, you know, like with I Am Gotham and I Am Suicide. Um, they weren't bad by any means. They just weren't, you know, like gripping me right away. Then I Am Bane was a lot of fun. And then they had the Swamp Thing issue. Um, but War of Jokes and Riddles is just one of those you have to have in your library. Read it, reread it. Um, and the ending will throw you for a loop. Um, and I love how it's not just, you know, a, you know a, an old story that they just wanted to tell, but it really plays into um, Bruce Wayne's current story as well. So by far, you know, you know that's 10 out of 10 um, storyline for me. Gotcha. I listen. It's actually coming tomorrow. I ordered the oh, cool. trade. Oh, you're in for a treat. Yeah, because I've heard such. Well, honestly, I've, I've, weird, I've heard mixed things. I've heard some people who absolutely love it. One of the best story, the Batman storylines of the years, and other people who are very cold on it. Sure. But I think that's the case for all of King's Run. Um, and as someone who's enjoyed King's Run a lot, I have a feeling I will enjoy it. Sure. Um. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. It it was an immediately intriguing concept. It was a great title. Yes. Uh, just when they first mentioned it in the book a few trades back, I think. And if we're doing best covers too, um, there's one where yeah, like Joker and Riddler are like sitting right across from each other. That would be my favorite like cover of an issue of all year. Long mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I'm really looking forward to checking that one out. I feel like, man, see, eventually we'll hopefully have read the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well we this is good though, because we're each getting, soft. we're each getting recommendations. So I'm glad that we're not overlapping. No, definitely. Um, but I'm looking forward to checking this out basically tomorrow uh, okay. for me, uh, because I've really been enjoying King's Run. Yes. Um, big time. All right. Uh, well next, uh, would be mine, I guess. No, yeah, I haven't talked yet. Next is my, my favorite yes. big two storyline. Um, and this one was uh, I wanted to represent a series that I did, that didn't quite make my top three, but that I always enjoy. Um, and this really was a great storyline. Um, but uh, this was the Mecca storyline for Miss Marvel. Okay. Um, cool. Which I just uh, is in the eighth trade. And it's crazy to think it's gotten that far, but I'm, I'm glad it's gotten that far. Sure. Um, Miss Marvel by uh, G. Willow Wilson is the primary 
really only writer, I think, I don't think anyone else has filled in, um, is one of my favorite books going. Uh, there's obviously a big part of that is representation. I am Middle Eastern, and it's very good to see a hugely successful Middle Eastern superhero. Um, but really, it's that this book remains very socially relevant and finger on the pulse with its storytelling. And it does a really good job of weaving in a lot of complex issues. Um, and this story arc, more than any, has done a really good job of capitalizing on what has come before in the series. Um, you know, this this is a book that has done a lot with um, gentrification and cultural differences. And um, it did, I think, the, one of the best Civil War II-related story arcs in terms of prejudging people and how that works in terms of race relations. And the, the Mecca story arc is set around... Um, Aid, which is the holiday, well, one of the two Aids that celebrates uh, the Hajj, uh, the pilgrimage to Mecca, and you know it's it sets up with that, and then there's sort of like a lot of the book deals with the the government uh, overthrow and and sort of like the um, attempts to take over Jersey City that happen in the government, and in this it kind of starts with a a that exactly happening with one of the former villains. It's hard to talk about if you haven't read a lot of Miss Marvel because there's a lot of characters um, that have developed over the course of the series. But what it does really well is it shows even more of how people uh, get poorly treated by you know radical governments. It shows how men, young white men in America, can become radicalized for different reasons, um, and it suggests you know how America and the way it interacts with other minorities could contribute to that radicalization of for it, of um, people of different minorities. Uh, it does a lot about. Uh, again, just all of those issues coming together and the way communities can grow to support each other. It remains a hopeful book. It remains something that is very much currently socially relevant. And this arc just did a great job of furthering all of the themes the book has dealt with as well as building on everything that came before it. I think that it's just been a great book that – its biggest stumbling points really were when it had to reboot with Secret Wars. I think that was still the, just the weakest arc in general just because it was less about the social interactions than it was, oh boy, the world's ending. Uh, I mean the social interactions were in there, but it was more the, the personal stuff, which, which was, was good too. But I just like how well this series deals with uh, modern issues and the Mecha story arc did a really good job of doing that. Sure. Oh, no, it's a great book. I need to get caught up. But um, but yeah, what I like about it just so much is that uh, it's just so character focused and, you know, you don't really have to be caught up with the main Marvel Universe. Just enjoy that one. Um, and, you know, I know Kamala Khan is in Champions and some other books, but that's just her chance to really shine. And I love the relationship she has. And, you know, she's just really it's just she's so likable. And, uh, you know, I definitely hope it goes for as long as it can. Um, so that's volume eight, this arc. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, volume eight. Um, I know I, it just came out, so it's okay, still cool. pretty new. Sure. Um, but I know they have a bunch of them, actually, at Ultimate Comics, because that's where I picked it up when I was home in Raleigh. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's a great series. Uh, obviously, it's doing really well digitally, and it's been this huge breakout hit. And uh, yeah, as long as G. Willow Wilson wants to write it, I hope they let her. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think it's going away anytime soon because the popularity it has. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, but Sweet. yeah, that was big two storylines. Cool. And there are many more, but 
Um, but yeah, cool. So what's yeah, next? I mean, obviously there's there's hundreds we could have talked. Oh about. yeah, without uh, a doubt. Well, maybe not hundreds of good, one, great ones. But <laughs> uh, many more we could have picked for this slot. For sure. Uh, but next up, we're going to move to our number two book of okay. the year. Cool. Uh, I'll be starting on this one. Um, but, you know, we've mentioned it a few times already. Uh, so I'll just go ahead and say Batman by Tom King. Nice. Has been phenomenal. Honestly, Batman in general since Rebirth has been a book I've been really excited about in many incarnations. I'm really enjoying Detective Comics and the whole team and James Tinian, you know, kind of giving Batman a team book that is all Bat characters and the different interactions they have there. Um, I just read All-Star Batman Volume 1. Okay. It was a great Two-Face story. Yeah. Um, even, you know, uh, that, that just did a lot to give give a new take on their relationship and how it's developed and it was it was just kind of like it seemed like um uh scott snyder's excuse to write a bunch of different bat villains and a bunch of different smaller bat villains it has the kg beast in it a lot although he's just called the beast now um but batman by tom king has been a book that is just fascinating i've enjoyed uh, just about every issue from the one-shots like this, the Swamp Thing one that you mentioned to the bigger story arcs uh, like I Am Suicide, I Am Bane. Um, so obviously I didn't read the big, big one this year for The War of Jokes and Riddles. I was trying to get it in because I was like, I, I know this book has to be on my list. It might even be number one if I really enjoy The War of Jokes and Riddles. But what what I did read from last year, um, I just loved it. Uh, the only thing I didn't read was the button because – uh, even though I read both The Flash and Batman, you know, I, I it was impossible not to avoid the spoilers for that crossover because right, right. everyone would sect the heck out of each issue. And then it's a four issue arc. It was the hardcover. I'll probably get it when the trade paperback comes out. It's been out actually for a while. The, the trade came out in between um, the volumes three and four of Batman and Flash. But um, well, well, no, I mean uh, the, the the paperback version because I know the hard. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Because yeah. the hardcover, it just it's a little pricey for four issues. I was sure, like, eh, sure. I'll wait. I'll wait till the paperback. I mean, honestly, with the button, it was like there were some really cool moments in it because it uh, ties into Flashpoint and everything. The only thing I was disappointed about was because they built that up as like you know the one that would finally give answers about you know the end of the rebirth one shot. And then it turned out to be just a tease for Doomsday Clock later on. Um, but there are some really cool moments in it. Um, but yeah, you just wait for the paperback then. Yeah, um, but but the rest of it's been great. Sure. I I loved the um, the whole relationship between him and Catwoman as as it's been developing. Yes. Obviously, I know they uh, get um, engaged officially. Um, I know that. I'm looking I, – I just – I love how he writes everybody, even even in smaller appearances like Duke or uh, Alfred. I like – and I really like his Batman for whatever reason. He's writing Batman as way more human almost. He's way more upfront about his emotions in this book than yes. he is in just about any other. Um, it's, it's a very different – feeling Batman from what we get a lot of the times because of the popular image of Batman. But I like that. I like how he writes the character. I like how he is exploring Bruce Wayne as well. Um, and it, it's just a gorgeous book. It's done some really interesting things. Um, I liked the issue. Like, I love the issue of Bane just tearing through all of the rogues in right. Arkham. It was fantastic. Um, I love that it just – it was able to sell a moment of <laughs> – 
I mean, it, it could be such a silly moment, and it, it is a little, but it really works, where he's just like, I'm Batman, and he headbutts Bane, and it's just like, that's such a great comic book moment. Right. Um, it's just super entertaining. I r- love reading the trades of it, and I'm happy, again, that DC is doing a better job of getting those trades out faster. Um, so, yeah, for me, Batman by Tom King... Um, which isn't to say – again, I like all the other runs as they're currently going and I like the Scott Snyder run. It's just for the first time I feel like I want to read a lot of Batman and I have sure. a lot of Batman trades. So Batman by Tom King. No, good choice. I mean you know you know how big a Batman fan I am and um, it's just been fascinating to see, like I said earlier, how this run has evolved and how the central thesis of it is really about Bruce Wayne finding happiness. And um, I think you'll really enjoy War of Jokes and Riddles, but – the one I think you're really going to like even more is the Super Friends storyline, which was a um, two-issue uh, series that took place like right shortly after War of Jokes and Riddles concluded, um, where it's uh, a really an examination of the relationship between Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent and Batman and Superman. Um, and it, the second part of it has uh, Superman, Lois Lane, and Batman and Catwoman going on a double date. Um, and it's just fantastic. So um, th- that one I think you'll really like. Uh, but it is. And there's just a lot of things going on in the Batman side of the DC universe between Metal, um, Detective Comics, uh, uh, and then some of the like you know self-contained miniseries like uh, Batman White Knight. It's fantastic. Um, there were, it, again, it was hard to make the top three list this year because um, ultimately I wanted to like kind of highlight some of the other like indie titles that I really enjoyed. But I mean, it goes without saying that, you know, Batman's one of my favorites, and I mean, I'm always reading the character, no matter what run, and um, this is, like I said, King's run started off a little slow for me, but then once it got going, I've just, I've absolutely fallen in love with it as well. Um, And I really liked uh, Batman and the Signal, which just debuted about two weeks ago, Um, and that's with, you know, I really liked it. I mean, I hope, I don't know if it'll happen, but I really hope Duke Thomas does get ongoing eventually because this is just a three-issue miniseries um but i you know i thought the writer captured he the writer was from the dc talent search and he worked with scott snyder on it um and i thought he just really captured duke thomas's voice really well um so i I really enjoyed the character um i thought he had a good introduction he has a really good what i guess was a backup story in all-star batman there's like a back up in the back of that trade that I really liked that was focused on Duke. So yeah, I'm always hoping there's, there's more of him. Sure. Well, I, I think there are definitely, even though this is going to be a mini series, I think there's definitely plans for him in the future. Cause they've are, I mean, they've been developing him for several years now. He was introduced in Snyder's run back in zero years when he made his um, first appearance. And then since then he showed up in all-star Batman in the main Batman title um, and in metal. And in, in the beginning of metal, they gave a, had a really good reveal about him, um, which plays into Batman and the Signal really well. So, no, no, I definitely voice. hope so. That he, you never know because, like, I liked Harper Row a lot, and, and she hasn't done been used a lot lately. Right, so. right, cool. Okay, so that's your number two. Okay, so my number two. Um, this was another that could have fit into my miniseries category too, um, but this is one that. Um, I had discovered, uh, yeah, through Ultimate back in the summer um, when we got an exclusive copy of the trade with a exclusive variant cover, um, and this is God Country, um, okay, uh, which is by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. Um, this book is just, well, it's just it just like screams me all over. It's like 
Cormac McCarthy meets Neil Gaiman. And they said that in the reviews and stuff because it's like a, a Midwestern drama, but um, about this guy who um, has severe dementia, this old man, and um, his family's trying to take care of him, but, you know, he's losing his mind. And, um, you know, it's a really starts off on a really sad note like that. But then it quickly introduces this insane fantasy plot where um, he receives a magical sword uh, and is and his um, mind, the state of his mind is restored, and you know he has all these powers. And the sword is, belongs to this deity who wants to fight him for it, uh, and so that's kind of where the story goes from there. And yeah, I mean it, it, it's like you know Blood Meriden meets American Gods, uh, and it's one of those where I don't know. It's just it, it can only work as a graphic novel because. Um, the art is just so intoxicating and, you know, uh, and Donny Cates, I've just, you know, like I said, Baby Teeth is one of my favorite titles uh, or is my favorite new series of the year. Um, and he also just has such a mastery of the characters here and, you know, he, from the setting to this main character and all the mythology with the gods that are fighting for the sword, it just plays, it's just one of those that's gripping in every moment it's what it could be so ridiculous that you know it's unbelievable but he adds such depth and nuance to the world and to the characters that you know you can't help but really be gripped emotionally um so this was just the perfect mini series and it's interesting because i saw an interview with donny cates and he was talking about uh after the book got pretty popular they were actually offered by image to continue it if they wanted to but they made the decision to um keep it at six issues because they knew that, you know, it couldn't it, it go on. You know, this was the story he wanted to tell. They told it and it worked really well. So um, it really, it's just the perfect miniseries, perfect graphic novel, um, easy to pick up anywhere. But yeah, God Country by Dottie Cates and Jeff Shaw, um, who are also now the creative team behind Thanos at Marvel. So highly recommend it. Awesome. I, I've seen it and I would like to check it out. Um, again, I, I know you did a review of it. Like, you, um, so I, yes. I, I, I've been intrigued since then. Sure. And, uh, I just, again, there's so many comics. Oh, there, I mean, there's like, I, I was trying to explain like the business of comics to a non-comic rating friend and, uh, was just saying that they were like, wait, so they come out like every week and there's, you know, all these titles. I'm like, yeah. And it's kind of impossible to keep up with. So. No, yeah, it just sounds like nonsense, <laughs> especially if you get – that's just the surface level. Right. You dig in at all. You're just like, this, this, this makes no sense. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I'd like to try that one out soon. Cool. Um, but now we're going to take a look. Uh, we're going to go from specific stories uh, to the people that make them. And we're going to cool. look at our favorite writer first. And uh, Kevin, that will be on you to start off. Okay. Well, that's easy because just talked about him, but – um, yeah, Donny Cates is always hands down. I mean, um, it, it, and it was tough between him and Tom King this year, but Tom King was on my, uh, I think I tied with him and, um, Jody Hauser on the 20, for the 2016 episode. Um, and Tom King is of course still way up there, but Donny Cates is just one who, yeah, I discovered first through God Country and then through Baby Teeth. And, um, now I want to check out Redneck and some of his other stuff, but, uh, this was definitely his year, you know, like. He had been working in comics for a while now, for several years now, but this was the first year where he really 
took off and became uh, more of a name, big name in the comic book industry. And rightfully so, because his stories are just phenomenal. They're, yeah, I, what I, I think what I like about most is how he combines grounded um, and realism and Midwestern drama with, you know, the fantastical. And he does it so effortlessly and is able to weave these two genres together really well. Uh, and he does that in book. I mean, Baby Teeth is like that, too. It's very, you know, has very grounded character drama and also these incredible fantastical elements and horror uh, to him. Uh, so I, I don't know. There's something about his style and about the way he writes these characters that is very relatable. Um, you know, I think part of it has to do with, like, like I know a little bit about him personally, like personally, I haven't met him yet, but, um, I have a friend from the comic shop who's friends with them and, you know, just based on like his medical history and, um, which shows in his books, you know, uh, and I think that's one area where I, I find him just relatable because, he understands that world and um, what it's like to, you know, go through intense um, times of illness and all that. And I'm, he writes about that uh, really in a really brave manner. Uh, and yeah, all the characters he creates, the world building, um, the dialogue, you know, I'm just, I'm really excited to see where he goes from here, uh, both in, you know, he, I think he signed a Marvel exclusives contract. So he's, I know he's writing Thanos. Um, and then, you know, continuing his indie titles. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, you know, and he said that um, Spider-Man is his dream character to write. So I hope that will happen one day because I could definitely see that. But uh, but yeah. He's right, who knows? Fun. Yeah. So have they, have they announced he's taking over for Dan Slott? I don't think so because they pretty much just, I'm surprised they announced uh, already what book he's taking over because they just, he just made the announcement that he's leaving Spider-Man recently. But I think it, because his last title comes out in June, so um, it'll be after that. But I would think it'll be pretty soon that they'll not, you know, but. Um, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm ex- that, you know, again, it's more praise for Donny Cates. So Absolutely. I check out more of their, their work. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, okay. Who's yours? Um, so this is one where it was a case of me more wanting to recognize a writer who I really like a lot and who did a lot of books I like, none of which cracked my top three um but this is a writer whose work i always enjoy uh kieran gillen uh i i don't know what it is because i i just i've i've liked a lot of the stuff he's done over the years i loved young avengers i loved uh his darth vader and this year he continued wicked and divine which is one of my favorite ongoings currently. I, I love that book. I love what he does with it and the more creative issues. Um, his work with JV McK- Jamie McKelvey in general is fantastic. Um, now they've done, I, I think this was their third book together after Phonogram and Young Avengers. Um, so they're just a great creative team. Um, but I just adore uh, Wicked and Divine and Dr. Afra both. Um, I love that character that that character has done so well and grown so much um, shows that there's I, I, I love Star Wars in general right now for how it is able to introduce so many new characters that latch on. Yeah, um, I, I wish comics could get better about that. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a different medium and it's tougher. But the Dr. Aphra still has her ongoing after a full year is phenomenal that's impressive yeah uh, uh, because because it is a character that has to be sold as a spinoff of darth vader and also you know is the only character with a book that wasn't already a star wars character um before marvel took it back over 
Um, but she's a great character. I've loved the first arc of that. I liked the crossover they did for the Screaming Citadel a lot. Um, and now Kieran Gillen is just, he's the Star Wars guy because he took over the main series Star right, Wars Right, because I think that was on issue like 30-something, I think. Was it? Uh, I know it's pretty recent. 37 or 38 they switched over, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, that's on yeah. Yeah, so he's on, I think, finishing up his first arc. Cool. Um, and, you know, I, I've heard really good things about his writing for the for the main book, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I know that I, I think it needed a little bit of a shakeup, not to, to bash Jason Aaron at all, just that uh, I know that his the Yoda Secret War storyline wasn't my favorite. And I don't know. I think the the sixth volume, which is his last, has a lot of smaller stories. So maybe I'll enjoy some of those. Sure. But I think that his initial arc of um, Skywalker Strikes through the Smuggler's Moon, uh, through Rebel Jail, uh, and even into the fourth one. I think his first four arcs were all great, and then it got a little less. And Vader uh, Down was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, Vader Down was a lot of fun. Um you know, now that Star Wars is a going concern for a few years, it does get a little more. There's a lot of Star Wars now. They've, they've published well over 100 issues if you include the main books, all the spinoffs sure. and miniseries they've done. And um, it's hard to love, stay on that book for a while when you're confined to a specific era, you know, between New Hope and Empire. So, um, you know, I think – but, I, yeah, I agree. You know, it was a good time to transition, but – he had a good run, though. So it was good. yeah. No, from a from a comics fan perspective, one of the most frustrating things about the Last Jedi is it basically gave them nothing new to work with because it takes place right after the first movie, and basically it's like, oh, we still have to wait two years till yep. we can tell new comic stories. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I also enjoy Poe po Dameron a lot. I shouldn't. I, I don't want to bash that. I mean, I think what they've done really well is be like, you know, we can't really say much about Poe, so Charles Soule just decided to give him a very compelling villain. Um, well, see, I was I was going to ask about that because I've only read some of the first volume, but um, this is in issues when it came out. But, you know, I remember it started off like literally like right before Force Awakens. So where does that story go? I mean, because I know they can only do so much, but like, uh, is well, it the just... big the big mission is him looking for uh, Max von Sydow's character. Right. He's still right. doing that. OK. Um, OK. But again, they, they gave him Terex as a villain. And they've been developing him a lot and creating a rivalry between the two. Uh, and it, it is it is an entertaining book. Um, yeah. To yeah. get back to the main thing, Kieran Gillen on Star Wars is really good. Also, Wicked and Divine, um, he, he's just doing really interesting things there. He completely like blew up everything that was set up with the first uh, three or four volumes. And now the Imperial Phase volumes one and two are both really good volumes that kind of show where the series is going next. Um and, you know, there is a time limit, so the series probably doesn't have much longer in it just because, you know, it's like they die after two years. That's the whole point. Um, a lot of them have died already. Um, but I, I I just love Kieran Gillen's work in general. I mentioned earlier how much I love his Iron Man work. Um, I, I just – I feel like he – obviously he's gotten his due. He's writing both major Star Wars books. Sure. So he's definitely gotten appreciated from that end. But I always, I always hope he gets – to do more um, and, you know, check out both those books. Check out his Iron Man run. I, it's better than I think people give it credit for. Sure. Uh, but Kieran Gillen was my, my writer of 2017. Awesome. Cool. No, good uh, choice. Yeah, I mean, oh, I mean, of course I love his Vader run and I do want to go back and check his Iron Man stuff. But yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so next up is Artist. Okay. 
All right, uh, and that'll be me to start. Sure. Uh, and I'm going to go with um, – and I want to make sure I always <laughs> do want to look. Okay, yeah. Tyler Crook. Um, okay. He is the artist for Harrow County. Oh, okay, cool. And nice, nice. Harrow County is one of my favorite looking books in comics right now. Uh, and obviously Tyler Crook is a big part of that. Um, I really, really like Harrow County. Um, it's a very creepy, scary book. Uh, it is a great horror. It's a great rural horror. Um, and, and just the, the, the visual tone of that book is so strong because of Tyler, Tyler Crook's artwork. And I am always, <coughs> excuse me, always fascinated to see what he does on each page. One of my favorite things is they, for each issue, they do a, um, opening two-page spread uh, that's just basically either a gorgeous vista or an action shot, and it, it has Harrow County somewhere in it, whether it's like hidden in the weeds or on a tombstone, and they're just visually amazing to look at every time, and then the character interactions are great. He does a, a great mastery of facial expressions. Um, it, it The creature design is fantastic. Uh, a lot of really creepy-looking stuff shows up in this book, some creepy powers and abilities. Um and he sells it all wonderfully. Like when I when I when I thought favorite artist, I was like immediately he came to mind because I just love looking at his work so much. And in terms of a book I was reading regularly, Harrow County was the one that came. Not to mention just the the, the gorgeous watercolor covers he does for the book are always fantastic. Like you could do a whole a gallery of like top three covers. I could I could probably make a top three cover list of just Harrow County covers because they're so good. Sure. Um, so yeah, for me, my, my favorite artist, just because it was, it was a very easy one, other than the ones that work on my book. <laughs> but, <laughs> Gotta give those, them a shout out too, yeah. <laughs> because they they are kind and gracious enough to work with me. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I just, I love Tyler Crook. Uh, cool. So that was my artist of the year. I saw today that uh, Harrow County is ending soon, so. Um, very soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's ending with issue 30. Okay. That's a good, um, I mean, for, you know, a horror title like that, that's, I think Nailbiter has 30 issues, too, so that's cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, what's your favorite artist? Okay, so, yeah, this one was tough, too, because I have a lot, but, you know, like, Fiona Staples came to mind, Saga is still great, Cliff Chang, um, you know, many others, but, yeah, if I'm going to have to choose, and I've already talked about him so far, but Mitch Gerrits, um, just between... Batman, Mr. Miracle, uh, Sheriff of Babylon. There's just something about his work that it, you know, you could, it, like you were saying, you can just kind of stare at for hours and not get bored. Um, you know, from his layouts to the detail of the characters and uh, the way the action moves in a, such a cinematic manner, it's just brilliant all across. Uh, and, you know, and he's one of those guys who does not just pencils, but pencils, inks, coloring. So, you know, you know, yeah. when he works on a book with Tom King, it's like, you know, it's all of his DNA there. Uh, and it's just so exciting to see uh, their collaborations and um, and him work with other artists, too. Uh, but, you know, they just have a really good, like I said, creative wavelength there. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's grim and um, it's got this really nuanced realism to it, which works great, especially for books like Sheriff of Babylon, which... I've only read the first volume of, but I love, um, you know, it's one of those you kind of have to be in the right mood to read because it's pretty heavy stuff, and uh, but it is brilliant, though. 
And then, you know, with Mr. Miracle and Batman, he just gives, you know, his own voice to it. And um, so I just look forward to every title that he's involved in um, here on. And, you know, hoping he'll be back at NC Comic-Con because I know he was there last year. So, um, and that was before I really was familiar with his work. So I'm glad I am now. But, yeah, Mitch Garrett, sir. However you say, if I'm butchering his name tonight, it's really bad, but... Uh, that's oh. the risk of being a comics fan. Yeah. You never hear people's names said unless you get on a pod... Or you hear a podcast that happens to know how to say their Right, names. right, right. Maybe I'll tweet at him tomorrow and see, like, hey, do you, do you mind if I ask? Because, <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah. All right. Favorite ours. Um, well, do you have any quick honorable mentions before we hit number one? Quick honorable mentions. Um, well, yeah, Batman would be on here. Um, let's see. Okay, they go through my... Um, and, and on DC, I mean, Superman, definitely. Um, let's see. I think of some other uh, books I really enjoy. I mean, the one... My number one pick blew everything out of the water, so it's hard to pick, like, you know, uh, um, a short list here. But, yeah, there are plenty sure. I enjoyed. Um, Saga and Paper Girls, I still love. You know, um, and... I would say, like, for Saga, my favorite arc so far is still, um, in the trades, it's volume seven. Um, the eighth trade just came out, and that was that was the only issues that came out this year. But it's still just as good as ever. Uh, and then, let's see. One more trade, that hardcover will come out, and I can be caught up again. Oh, yeah, 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 that's minute. right, yeah, yeah. But you have the first two, right? First two I do have the first okay, two, cool. yeah. Nice, nice. But, um, let's see. Yeah, those are my main, on my short list. But, like I said, my number one pick kind of blew everything out of the water. And I haven't talked about it yet, so I'm excited to go. Okay. Uh, mine, really quick. Um, I I mentioned a few of them, but Miss Marvel was was great. Um, I really enjoyed Star Wars Dr. Aphra. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I've actually really been, still been enjoying uh, Joshua Williamson's The Flash a lot. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I know there's the next volume out of that that I need to get. Uh, Rebirth in general, I feel like I can name a bunch of series. Yeah. Um. So those have all been really good. And another one that, you know, is it, I'm waiting to see how it sticks to landing, but I really, really enjoy, have enjoyed the first uh, three issues of Runaways uh, by Rainbow Rowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it's and good. And Chris Anka. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm sh- I, I, slight spoiler, Runaways will almost certainly come up in our uh, TV episode that we're recording in a few Oh, days. yeah, yeah, I bet. No, I want to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, those were, those would be my honorable mentions. I've, I've really enjoyed, honestly, it's been a really good year. It I'm is, still reading yeah. a lot of books that didn't come out in 2017 and sure. that will continue to be the case in 2018. Uh, but as I read more single issues again, hopefully I can have a more comprehensive list next year, but you can never read everything in comics. No, it's not possible, but, yeah. uh, not unless you're bankrolled by a very lucrative, uh, website or something. And you have like infinite amount of time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. All right, well, cool. that uh, brings us to the big one, our number one comic of the year. Uh, Kevin, what do you got? Okay, so, yeah, before I read I read this book at the tail end of 2017, and um, I'm glad I did, because right before that, I thought I had my list compiled and everything, and I thought God Country was going to be number one. But And like I said, still tons of praise for that book. But my number one, though, would have to be Black Hammer. Um, by Jeff Lemire and Dean Armstead. Nice. Yeah, I was. I was. I, have you? Are you caught up, or have you? Like, read? I'm not caught up, and okay. that is the big reason I. Ha- I it wasn't on my list because I've only read the first volume. Okay, I know yeah, the yeah. Second, 
out. Well, but, so I picked up the first volume, like, because, I mean, I had heard the buzz about it and everything, just hadn't gotten around to it yet. And I picked up the first volume just on one of my weekly visits um, at the shop toward the end of the year. And I loved it so much that it just so happened that the next time I went, the second trade, it just came out. So um, I'm caught up on at least the trades. And um, and I'm probably, for me, just collecting issues because it's just that good. Uh, but, yeah, this is a book about these this sort of family of superheroes um, that gets uh, isolated in this small town. Um, they were sort of these golden age superheroes in their time. And there was this big battle, which sent them um, far away into this small town where it appears that like they're cut off from the rest of the world and they can't get back to their um, home. And I think the pitch, because I was reading interviews about it and the pitch was like, because uh, the characters are very heavily based on, you know, mainstream comic characters. And the pitch was like, what if Captain America um, Captain Marvel and Martian Manhunter uh, shared an apartment together. And it, and it really is like that. They, you know, it's the um, three of the main characters are very much akin to those. Uh, and yeah, they live on this farmhouse. And it's amazing how much I like this book because when you think about it, there's really not, uh, like, especially in the first volume, it's very expository. And it's a lot of, I mean, he's just kind of building the characters' relationships and holding off on a lot until later on. Um, but even after reading the first two volumes, I mean, it's amazing how gripping it is. And we still don't know a whole lot about, you know, why they were sent here and the mystery surrounding, you know, the event as they refer to. Um, you know, they had this battle with this anti-god uh, that transported them here. But we there's still a lot of things we're in the dark about. And that's what I'm fascinated to know is to learn more about um, their origins, where they come from. Um, and what I, I think what I like about it the most is that it's a brilliant tribute to the golden age, but it's not like just that, like, it's not just pure, you know, greatest hits or anything like that. It sort of capitalizes on what's great about the golden age while also bringing it into a modern context. And, um, I don't know. I just love the characters so much. The art is, by Dean Ormston is just, it, it's amazing how well he does a distinction between all the flashbacks of them from their home world, you know, fighting evil. And then in the present, when they're on the farmland, it's a very different style, but it's the same artist. And he does both timelines uh, just so brilliantly and gives it such nuance and depth. And uh, so it's just a book that I just immediately fell in love with. And um, yeah, so you read the first volume, so you know about it. Yeah, no, I, it, it, it's a great first volume. Um, I, it's a great series. Honestly, I felt, Bad because Jeff Lemire, I, I think, is one of my probably top 10, if not top five favorite writers right yes, now. But yes. when I was looking, I was like, I didn't read a lot of Black Hammer this year. I haven't read Royal City yet. I'm behind on Descender. And I was just like, man, I, I know I love what I, I guess I can't say for Royal City because I haven't read it yet. But it's like, man, I love all these books. Right, but right. I haven't read any of the ones that were this year. So well, I'm kind of on the, I mean, other than Black Hammer, like I just finished Bloodshot Reborn, like, which is four volumes. Um, and then Bloodshot USA and then Salvation after that. So I'm going to continue with that because that was the thing too. Like Bloodshot was, I mean, he's always been really good, but he was not my favorite Valiant character until Amir came on and his run has just been phenomenal. But I also yeah, I need to get caught volume. up on the current stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Lemire is, I mean, he's extremely prolific. Um, yes. I didn't even name all the books he's writing. 
Well, and not just writing, he's an amazing artist too, but, um, yeah, that as well. I, like, yeah. I love like sweet tooth is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, black hammer is one I, I really want to get the next volume of. Um, and I, I hopefully will soon. Sure. Uh, I, I need to, I don't know. I, I'm, it's going to be an interesting year since I won't, uh, probably be able to buy as, as many trades. Heroes is usually when I try to catch up. Sure. Sure. Uh, probably get the chance this year since I'll be tabling, but hopefully send people can... to go get your books for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're there, just know you said that. I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad black hammer is continuing to be an excellent series. It is. Yeah. And well, and it's a really cool history to it too, because, um, originally Jeff Lemire was going to write and illustrate it. Um, but then it, you know, gotten caught up with other projects, but so it'd been in the works for a while, and then Dean Ormston came on, and originally it was going to debut in, like, 2014, but then Dean Ormston had a, um, I think it was, oh, it was a brain or heart issue or something, but, like, he had to have a major surgery, and so uh, he was out of commission for a while, and then um, once, you know, he was um, back to, you know, health and working again, they started, they resumed, and so it came out, I think, in 2016, and then, yeah, it was 2016 when um, made its debut, and then continued since then but oh it's just yeah i mean it's amazing how like how good a how original it feels you know and it's uh, i mean it has very much elements of watchmen and other sort of um meta superhero books but it just really has its own flair to it the characters are great uh and yeah i just can't wait to see where it goes from here so awesome that's my number one okay um... Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to throw out one more honorable mention because sure. I just double-checked it because I was reminded of it. Um, and it's a book that's in the very a very similar vein as my actual number one. Okay. Um, because I, I just finished Revival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And it stuck the landing so well and was is, is such a phenomenal creator-owned series uh, by Tim Seeley and Mike Norton. Only the last two issues came out this year. And as good uh, as they were, I was like – okay. That's so little of it, and I, I really what I read was like the last two hardcovers. Sure. So I was like, I can't justifiably put it on the list with only having two of the issues from this year. But sure, sure. it is very, very good. Revival as a whole is is such a phenomenal small town uh, horror story that does so much with so many characters. It feels a lot like a Stephen King, uh, one of his novels like Salem was a lot, where it's just this huge sprawling look at a whole town. Um. And it pays off brilliantly. Uh, but my actual number one is uh, – I mentioned it already, but Harrow County. Okay, um, cool. Nice. I discovered this book this year. Uh, not discovered it. I knew about it. Um, but I, I just – I kept not buying the trades until there were four trades out. And then I finally was like, all right, I'll read, I'll read the first volume of Harrow County. And I was immediately sucked in to the story of this uh, young girl who finds out she is – possibly the reincarnation of this hated witch in the town. Um, And, you know, then her decision to be like, okay, what am I going to do with my powers? Am I going to be evil or am I going to try and do good? And even in the first arc, so many things happen that uh, set up a very unique world of Harrow County and the people that live there and, and um, what uh, her role in the, the world is. Uh, And it just, from there, I very quickly bought the next three trades up through four, and then the fifth one came out, and the sixth one came out, and they were always immediately books that I was like, "Yep, gonna buy that." 
but yeah, Emmy's story in this whole series has developed so well. Cullen Bunn is great at developing, you know, deeper mythologies. I think he did it really well with the sixth gun. And I feel like he evolves that skill set here where Hero County just has so much going on in it. And, you know, any of the smaller side characters can have popped back up in bigger roles and set up things. Um, and it's felt very purposeful. So like we said, the news came out today that it's ending with issue 30, which is, you know, only that means there's going to be volume seven. We'll have I, I was looking it, it says through 28. So I wouldn't be surprised if issue 30 is another giant sized issue. That's what they did with the sixth gun. It had like a 66 page final issue. Sure. Um, or maybe they'll end up, uh, well, no, it's supposed to come out before the last issue. So I, I'm guessing they'll just yeah, have a very big final issue. Um, but it's always had a very strong drive and a sense of purpose. And like every reveal has felt like back to back to back. There's not a lot of, there's, there's almost no fluff in this. Uh, it's, it's done such a good job of telling a very concise focused story that also manages to be sprawling. Um, and the, the abandoned and hedge magic, which were volumes five and six, uh, and had issues that came out this year were phenomenal and developed the supporting cast really well and gave a lot more of the mythology of this, the, the, the County. And again, like I mentioned, it's a gorgeous book. Uh, the watercolor style is, is just gorgeous. And it is, uh, just, it's so much, so, so much of the type of thing I like, um, you know, uh, obviously I'm now writing a rural horror story that is very different from Harrow County, but I like those type of stories. This is one that gets it. Revival also gets it, but Harrow County, I'm now super excited to see how it ends. Um, I, I think, you know, 30 issues is a good run. None of it feels superfluous and, uh, whatever the final reveals are, I'm sure they're going to be surprising and satisfying because Cullen Bunge in general as a writer uh, is another one that is a favorite. I really liked his Venom run that got cut short. Um, I, I know I think he's writing Venom again now, but in a very different sense with the whole Venomverse stuff. Right, right. Uh, but no, I, I just I really love Harrow County. I know he also has a book. Uh, he has he has like so many horror books that are coming out. He also has one called uh, Regression that started at Image, the first trade of which is out. He's got a mini series that I think is set as like a mental institution that I didn't even know about till I just randomly saw it on Amazon. It's from a smaller publisher. Um, he has another one at aftershock. It's called unholy grail. Um, that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like so, a darker take on the King Arthur mythos. But yeah. Yeah. So the guy loves horror. Sure. And he does a really good job with it. So I, uh, I'm excited to see what he does in the future, obviously with his other series, but Harrow County has, has just been really something special. Um, and I'm glad it's both something I read a lot of from this year, but also discovered this year. And for that reason, it is my favorite comic of 2017. Awesome. No, it's definitely on my list. I want to get, I mean, especially now knowing that it's ending, you know, I'll be able to go through the whole series. But, um, and I've enjoyed his X-Men Blue Run too. Um, that one's about, you know, I'm behind yeah, right I'd now because like it's twice a month, but, um, uh, but that one's really fun too. So I, you know, he was actually, uh, actually, if you remember the picture of Her <laughs> at Heroes Con where, I was with that Spider-Man cosplayer, and um, we made my robotic arm look like it was Doc Ock and all that. Like, uh -huh. in that picture, Colin Bunn is, like, in the background there looking at it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Very that nice. was cool. But, no, good pick. So well, Yeah. No, well, good lists all around. This uh, was awesome. Yeah. No, we, like, didn't overlap at all, so that's good. Like, yeah, more than any other medium, uh, comics is a hard one. Sure. Uh, obviously, there are dozens of books we didn't mention or get a chance to oh, talk yeah, about. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, part of that comes from more limited funds or trade waiting or whatever, but hopefully you enjoyed our lists, uh, and maybe got some new suggestions as a result. For sure. Um, but you know, we'll be back shortly with TV and then film after that. Yes. Um, still, I'm glad we're doing film last just cause there's still a few movies I'm trying to get in under the wire. Yeah. There's at least uh, one. I saw, I mean, I've seen most of what I wanted to, but there is one, like, uh, I don't know if it'll make my you know, top three or not, but I do want to see it regardless. Yeah, you never know. So, yeah. Um, and it could fit another category. Right, uh, right. But uh, I have a few like that as well. I really want to see three billboards. For yeah, example. yeah, yeah. That's. I want to see that, and I want to see Lady Bird, but yeah. Yeah, I want to see Lady Bird. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it is that time of year. The other frustrating thing about film is all the, like, big heavy hitters, they, they, they're they like, no, November, December. It's like, I can only get to the movies so much. Right, right. No, it's, yeah. Um, and you have to see Star Wars multiple times too, of course. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't. You know, I'm sh- I can't imagine that'll come up in our film episode at all. No, not at all. No. <laughs> um, but this has been a lot of fun. Um, for sure. You can find us at thejoyofgaming.com for our episode archives, thejoyofgeek.net for written content, uh, the Joy of Gaming, the Joy of Geek on Facebook, at the Joy of Game on Twitter, uh, and you can find me personally. At Indigo Master, E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R on Twitter, uh, as well as at Facebook.com slash Jordan Alsaka Writer and Tumblr – or JordanAlsaka.tumblr.com, the last of which is woefully neglected. <laughs> uh, and then most importantly, uh, as I said earlier, WelderkinComic.com for Welderkin, my new rural horror comic uh, with Joni Miller. Awesome. Uh, Kevin, what about you? And you can find me on Twitter at KWShafe. Uh, you can find – more of my comic reviews at ultimatecomics.com um, and then all my other writing during the week for work at smanewstoday.com um, and then the Corpus Anthology, which the Kickstarter launches on February 4th. Um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter for more updates on that, um, but I think it's still on the main page for information about Corpus. is like Corpus Anthology at wordpress.com, I'm pretty sure, but um, but you can, if you go to my Twitter page, you can find links to it. I've got it pinned on my profile, so... Um, but yeah, and I'll be, you know, any other cons I'll be at or, you know, other projects to announce, you know, that's, this is definitely a place to talk that. So, you know, it should be a good year for both of us, not only talking about comics, but making them as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Awesome. (laughs) Well, uh, I guess, yeah, uh, we will be back soon with our next list. Sounds good. Uh, I hope, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for that. Take care.